signed with Top Rank, you know, to, uh, yeah. took on, that's a good direction for you. I mean, you've got yeah. the other guys like Pulev and Fury mm -hmm. on the, under the same banner. I know that people were kind of talking about that, maybe that there was going to be a Fury fight with, or you and Fury fight sometime soon. Mm. Um, tell me a bit about why your decision to go with Top Rank. Because I know that Eddie Hearn was like saying that you wanted to sign with him and not with Top Rank. So I'm not quite yeah. sure if you want to respond so, to that. So, so uh, listen, you can always ask me a question. I'm always going to answer it 100% truthfully. I've never lied about anything in my life when it comes to boxing. Mm. So my whole thing was that I've been in contact with the zone and a lot of the CEOs and stuff like that. And after the whole thing with AJ hit the fan, they all told him we wanted to work with you bad and we want to get things back on track. I said, no problem. I mean, it's a team effort. You know I mean? I handle what I have to handle and be back. So my whole aspect of when I approach and you heard like, listen, we have a good thing going on. Yes, um, something happened on my side and I have to deal with that. But, you know, I'm very vocal about it. I want to get back with you guys. I feel like everything was good. It's, everything on match room at the zone was a tight unit. I like the way how the things were maneuvering. So, of course, I said, listen, I apologize, but I want to get back to work and this is the route right I want to go, you know, but... Eddie is very two-sided and two-faced with certain things. He'll say one thing to me, say something from another fighter or promoter, and then he go on camera, and you're like, hold on, we just had a conversation. Like, how are you going to throw me under the bus or talk, you know, talk that kind of smack when you just was not having that same energy? So, you know, and I approached him after that again, and it wasn't, it was like he's, he doesn't say to your face, but he'll say it on camera when you're not around, defend yourself. And that's when I had a problem with it. And I say, you know what, I'm, done. I'm trying to be the nice guy. I'm trying to be proud about it, you know, be manned up, stand up for my situation, and keep it moving. But for him, he acting like a real, you know, girl. Or not even a girl, like a sissy father. You know what I mean? That's what I want to call it. He's acting like a real sissy. So, I mean, top rank came to the table. It wasn't my initial first move because it was people through the top rank line that were contacting me and calling me. So it wasn't until I actually got into face-to-face -face with Bob, he flew me out to Vegas, and we sat down and talked, and he just leveled off with me and told me, hey, this is what we can plan. We got, we got in, uh, in the pipeline for you. Um, listen, I'm from Brooklyn, you know, shit don't always go as planned, this is live, blah, blah, and he just leveled off for me, you know, we in his office and we just talked about old stories and stuff, and he just like, hey, listen, man, it's life, man, and boxing is gonna knock you down, you gotta learn how to get up, and it was really a conversation, like, I really, I, I needed to have with somebody, you know, like, I, like, I had a conversation with Sam, I had a conversation with Bernard Hopkins, but, you know, Bob really sat me down in his office and really, like, talked to me as, like, like, that grown man, like, that grandfather figure, like, listen, this is the kind of shit that's gonna happen all the time in life. You know, man, the fuck up, you know, lick your wounds and get back to work. And this is the kind of plan, you know. So that kind of sort of resonated with me, you know. Not only as a man, but as a fighter, and a human being. So I said, you know what? Let me give him a chance. And when the paperwork started to get started, started seeing the first paperwork, I'm like, it's all right. It wasn't too bad. And then um, Bob said, no, we want to give you a better deal. And I said, all right, the numbers add up. I'm like, shit, that's what it was. That's what's all about. So let's make it happen. So it was a little. It was a little iffy, not on Bob's side, because we had Demetrius Salida still involved. And if anybody knows Demetrius Salida, who's a former fighter, he is not the world's best business guy. Like, he's, he's this, I don't know, the kid is this 37, but he's going to 18. You know what I mean? He has freaking Captain Crunch for brains. So, me having to deal with Demetrius Salida and deal with Bob now, that was the only situation. He was the middleman in between situation because I still had uh, promotional rights with Demetrius Salida. A lot of people don't know that I was 70% of my own contract. Dimitri owns 30%. So we had to figure that out. And um, we were supposed to be back on the Deontay Wilder Fury second um, the second fight rematch. And because of his incompetence, we wasn't able to get the deal done in time. 
and ESPN moved towards Charles Martin and Joe Washington, which was actually a boring second fight. But you know, it is what it is. Um, so we're looking to was looking to come back May 30th, and of course, coronavirus comes out now, puts a halt in everybody's plans. So we don't know exactly when we're going to return yet, but we're hoping to get back. You know, I would say June. And then we fight again on the Deontay Wilder Fury, you know, third and final episode of what was going to happen on that night. But yeah, man, it's, it's a lot of a lot of good ideas, you know. Uh, the main thing is just trying to put keep a smile on your face and just train, you know, because it's going to happen. You know, we're going to be back there. Yeah. And stay, stay away from ignorant and you know stupid people. You know, simple as that. What have you learned? What What's been the big lesson in everything for you. What have you taken mm. from what's happened and mm. learned from it moving forward? Haste make waste. You know, that's one thing I've always heard, haste make waste. But, you know, I've always been the kind of person to always do my own, my own research and do my own homework. And the one time I really didn't put the best effort in is the one that caused me the most. Um, just having people in your corner that's not money hungry that actually cares about your well-being because, like I said before, you know, Eddie Hearn, Demetrius Lita, the whole promotional group, everybody knows dealing with an injury from when I fought Morris Walk the year prior to that. And I, I constantly kept fighting to get myself in, into position for heavyweight for a title shot. And I finally got a heavyweight title shot. I kind of put my surgery off and that put me in this position to look towards other methods of dealing with my injury. And it caused, you know, but like I said, it was me that got me there. My mouth, my skills that got me there. No, I didn't, I didn't, nobody, I didn't pay my way to get here. You know what I'm trying to say? So I say, you know what, if I got myself there once, I'm going to do it again, plain and simple. You know, but it just taught me, hate to make waste. And not everybody that smiles in your face like your friend, you already know that, you know. Not every promoter is looking for your best interest. It's all about money. It's all about money. All about money. Even people you know for, the, I know Dimitri going on 15 years, and he's still a scumbag when they come to talk about the dollar bills. You know what I mean? So I know this guy. So that same, same thing, same thing, different day. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Anthony Joshua listed you as one of the six he wants mm. to face before he retires one day. Mm. Reflecting back on everything that happened with Andy Ruiz uh, filling in for you last minute, uh, mm. do you feel the outcome would have been the exact same had you still fought Joshua? I would have put Anthony Joshua in a casket. Mm. Put it out of time. I put a hurting on him so bad that boy would never look in, look in my direction ever again. So I had his number. I know I Ben had his number. A lot of people, a lot of people don't even know that Andy Ruiz was actually coming out to help me for sparring. Mm. I was gonna have Andy Ruiz in my training camp. Now a lot of people says, "Why is you gonna have Andy Ruiz in training camp? He's short, he's chubby, different fighting style." I'm like, you guys understand fighting, man. You know, once you're a fighter, you understand. The art of it, and you know what's good. I've, I've told guys, I've short guys that can fight inside. And he's a good inside fighter. Those combos are very well, fast hands. And I'd be the greatest outside fighter. But what I need him for, I know he's great at. And I tell people, I don't think Ainge's going to win a decision. But if AJ try to mix it up with him, Ainge's going to whoop his behind. Sometimes I'm saying, so, so, so done. He tried to mix it up with Andy, and he clocked his behind. You know, so, yeah, if you'd have fought me, I'd have put a way more hurt than Andy did. When you think back on that, yeah, when you look at Anthony Joshua's physique, I think it was quite evident that he was putting on that additional weight, uh, building mm. that extra muscle because he was preparing for you. Do you think that was mm. the difference in his performance and why he, he – no? 
My thing is this. You got to think about it. When, when people, people don't want to look at the facts, right? A lot, even a lot of fights in, in, in the Olympics where they fought in London and AJ won. A lot of them fights were given to him as gifts. His first 13, 12, 13 fights were like gift fights. You know, there wasn't really durable guys. There weren't really guys from America or guys that are really seasonal. They were kind of like journeymen. So look at AJ. He turns pro um, mid 220s, 219, 221. Then he goes to 250. Then he's fighting around, walk around 245, 250. That's not his natural weight. I had to get so big, who knows? Protein shakes. I don't know. English muffins and fish chips. So you now, you're going to go from, from 250 now to go up to 265 or 225 a guy that normally walks around 300 pounds. And that's not going to... I can run a six-minute mile at 280, 290. He's never done that before. So how can you fight somebody in his, in his, in his weight class where I'm more comfortable at? It would have hurt him more than anything. Mm-hmm. His best chances was to be lighter, 230, 225, and that still would have backed him up and hurt him. See what I'm trying to say? So him getting bigger for me would have been the dumbest thing he could ever did. See what I'm trying to say? So the smaller guy, and look at Andy. Andy's still a big guy. Andy 260-something, you know? So the weight, it's not really about the weight. It's about the skills, really. You know? I mean, styles make fights, you know? Right. So, you know, I don't I don't think the weight would have made a difference. It actually would have hindered him even more. He'd have been a sitting duck. He doesn't have better legs than me. He doesn't have better eye coordination than me. He doesn't throw as much punches than me. He doesn't come forward like I do. He's not a bull. I'm trying to say so. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, it was a fantastical second fight." I'm like, no. If you watch all his previous fights, competitive fights, Andy, he ran, he jabbed and ran. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like he landed really great clean shots. You know what I mean? But if you really watch the fight technically, you're like, uh, that's not a Floyd Mayweather kind of boxing, or even or or, or Andre Ward kind of technical boxing, even Bernard Hopkins, because you can see the confidence in their movement, the way they throw punches, the combination, how they spin off and turn off. That wasn't a confidence, really confidence performance. It was more like, okay, I'm the chicken, so I'm going to, you know, scrape him and run, you know, no kind of fights. But he did what he had to do, you know, but though a lot of people in America wasn't impressed with him. I know that they're, I said they're, Eddie Hearn is looking to make the fight between Joshua and Fury. Who wins that for you? Fury. 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 More hard, more durable. Um, uses his jab better. Um, technically better sound guy. Even it's a little awkward. You know, like I said, I've sparred Tyson before. And Tyson can't do nothing to me. I'm trying to say, and that's because of leg movement and head movement. Joshua can't you, know, you, you know Tyson says something completely different than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tyson, Tyson, Tyson said, oh, I dropped him seven times. That's the biggest load of shit I've ever heard of my entire life, okay? But Tyson was on his way coming back off of his band and going to lose his issues. So he's looking away for getting when I was hot at the time. So I get it, you know what I mean? Me and Tyson are cool, so mm. I get it. But Tyson, though, that's not true, you know what I'm trying to say? I've never been dropping spawns once my whole entire life. So that was the biggest crap I've ever heard of my life. It's funny when I heard it, but... but um, <laughs> Thank you for giving me my props for this dude. So I, don't, I know this what it is, but could you imagine the buildup between you and uh, Tyson Fury, like me yeah. week? All that would be wild. <laughs> it'd, be good, it'd be good stuff. It'll be good stuff, you know. So you know, like I said, I, I, I love every fighter other than myself, and I know I'm not afraid to admit it. Tyson is one of my favorite heavyweights, not only because he's a he's a pretty good fighter in the ring, just a good person outside the ring. So I'm trying to say, people always say. I like to bash fighters. I said, no, I know I'm the nicest 
Humbling is one of the most humblest dudes you ever meet in the world. I'm from Best Star Brooklyn. I'm gonna have guns in my face. I'm not about that. I'm trying to say, but when it comes to boxing, when it comes to fighting, and if your name gets on the contract, I'm gonna beat you behind. It's war. So but outside of that, I'm cool, you know. And Tyson, no friendship guys, you know, once you sign on the dotted that's line. It. There's nothing. Even if we're all in the top ten. We all can't be friends. Like, some of us have to really hate each other. You just have to. Hey, my fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye, fight fans. flexing for seconds out delighted to be joined by Chantel Cameron number one contender in not just one division but two bit greedy in it <laughs> just making uh, making sure that I get my shot so I thought maximize it <laughs> keeping your options open yeah definitely maximize my opportunities uh, play around at both ways and if you have too much to eat during the shutdown you can always just take the shot at 140 instead that's, that's actually what I've been thinking. Thinking, well, may as well go free time mandatory now. <laughs> Put myself in free weight divisions. <laughs> how, how did it kind of end up like that? Because obviously you were already the mandatory at lightweight and you're kind of waiting around and then you've secured the opportunity at the weight above as well. So what happened was um, it was basically with MTK. Obviously lightweight, Katie's doing her thing and I didn't want to be waiting around. Like, I want to be a world champion as soon as possible. I feel like I've like proved myself as well. So I thought like I don't be really waiting around on Katie Taylor in the lightweight division. So the opportunity came to box at super light and I didn't know that it was gonna be a mandatory, but um spoke to MTK and Jamie and I was like, I don't want to be waiting my whole career waiting for this Katie Taylor fight. There's other opportunities out there. And MTK um got me in mandatory position. So I, I was shocked as well when I got the phone call saying, Yeah, we're there got you a mandatory and I was just like really yeah, like, what a result you must be really happy with last year obviously <clears> everything's <throat> shut down now which isn't ideal for anyone but you got four fights in last year with a new trainer all wins and now in great position oh yeah then I feel like my career last year rocketed I feel uh, I had the two warm-up fights obviously to get used to my new team with Jamie and Nigel McGonagher and then Bashil, my lightweight mandatory, and then Sanchez, they're two worthy opponents. Like Bashil was a uh, knockout queen, weren't she, in the lightweight division, she was knocking everyone out. And uh, that was a good test for me, but I was expecting a bit of a harder fight. And then Sanchez, uh, obviously she was like two-time weight, two-weight two division world champion. So that was uh, another step up, and she was, she, was, she was good, she was. But I don't think I boxed my best that night. I feel like... Uh, let the occasion and pressure get to me a bit. You talked about, obviously, uh, moving to Jamie Moore's camp. Um, previously, you were at the McGuigan gym, and I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't want either of us to get sued. But what's kind of the difference <laughs> in terms of your mindset now you're there? Because clearly, towards the end of your time in your last team, you weren't particularly happy. Oh, Jesus, yeah, like... Uh... People were seeing it in my last couple of performances and they could see like my attitude towards training and stuff. Like I just it was just rubbish really. And I feel like my performances were just going downhill rapidly. Because I was just like I just you know you just 
like you stop enjoying something. So I didn't have the same hunger and everything. But um, so a couple of people noticed my last performance before I turned with Jamie and Nige that there's something wrong with me in the ring. And uh, I kind of was like, didn't want to go into it and was kind of just like brush it under the carpet. And then I think Christmas happened. January and February, January and that coming, I was just like, oh, do you know what? I need, like, I can't do this. There's no point boxing if I'm going to box shit and then I'm going to lose just because I'm not doing it right. Like, I don't have the right team. And then, uh, obviously, with Jamie and Nigel now, I feel like um, my confidence is flying. I think it's because they're like, the, the, the aura they have in the gym. So, in that, in the, when you're training yourself, the aura just like, you can't not be confident. Like, you, they just boost you so much. And, they like give you a kick up the ass when you need it, but other than that, they kind of like tell you how good you are, tell you you can beat anyone in front of you, just make you feel worthy, and uh, just completely different. Like, they definitely bring out the confidence in me, without a doubt. And then you I don't think I had that before. Go on. I don't think I had that uh, confidence before. So like my last, my first eight fights, and I don't think I was as confident as what I am now. Like now, I literally like. I'll fight anyone, anywhere. I'm not bothered. But before, I feel like a, I feel like a brick on my shoulder. Like at least, I always feel like pressure. I just it was just uh, it was just shit really. In the previous but now, I'm really happy. Good. In the previous team, you got to work alongside Josh Taylor and, and other boxers like that. Now you're working with Carl Frampton, who's a two weight world champion, hoping to become a three weight world champion this summer if, if you know if and when it goes ahead how much of a benefit has that been to your career in the early stages getting to work alongside like world-class operators oh amazing especially josh taylor like for me josh Taylor's the pound for pound best british boxer i think is uh phenomenal he's unreal uh so like, obviously watching him spar watching him trade doing the circuits and that with him it was just, you uh, was learning all the time. So you like, I'm quite good at watching sparring and learning from people's spars. So watching him, I felt like I used to learn a lot and watching him on the bugs and stuff. So I used to like visualise him, watch him and then visualise and I like, try to put it into my own training or sparring. I see him do a good move in sparring and I think, oh, I'm going to try that. And if it worked for me, it worked. If it didn't, I was like, nah, that didn't work for me. And um, obviously there was loads of, there was like groves, there was loads. It was, uh, it was really good. It was good to watch and learn from them. And who do you do the majority of your sparring with now? Is is it mostly with the men or do you get other girls come in? How does it work? So I asked before, um, obviously this corona, I done a deal with Jamie. So I'm hoping he's going to stick to it still. That I spar one girl a week and one boy a week. Because... Um, like he, he likes to spar on the girls and stuff, but I, I hate spar on girls. Really. I prefer to spar the men. So I'm hoping he sticks to our deal. Why, why do you hate sparring girls? Um, I just get more about sparring men. Like I'd rather get beaten up in sparring that when it comes to a fight night, there's not a chance the girl's gonna let like do any damage to me. Yeah, it must be. And I, I, I learn a lot more from sparring men. Like when I spar the guys, I feel like it brings me on so much more. Yeah, it must be tough to get girls anywhere near your level just to come in for sparring now you're at the stage that you're at. It's quite hard to get the rounds as well. Like, not many girls want to do the four rounds. And obviously, I'm boxing 10 rounders. So it's like they come in and they, 
they don't fancy it. They do like four or five, and I think, oh god, I'm like, I need another five rounds. Then Nigel like blasts me on the pads, but it's not the same. But with the guys, like guys aren't going to get out after four or five rounds. They're going to do the rounds with you. Well, I hear Tommy Coyle still comes to the gym, so you know, get him in there. Yeah, I, I'm always I'm always asking him to spare me, but he doesn't want any of it. I don't blame him. <laughs> to be honest, but <laughs> I wouldn't want to spare him. Well, I've gone for me, Spanish. Exactly. So, with everything going on, are you back home in Northampton at the moment? <laughs> yeah, I'm in Northampton. Um, got a house here, so I just isolating back home. And what's it like? What are you doing to kind of fill your time? Bike ride, as you know, two hour, two hour bike ride. I said I would have mentioned it. Um, I only mentioned the bike ride, not the bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I've got a boxing bag in my garden, and then I've got some circuit equipment, so kettlebells, battle ropes, um, some block power bag thing. So I've got the equipment to do uh, circuits in my garden. It's not the same, but it's better than nothing. And do you do you live on your own, or is there anyone else there you can teach to kind of hold the pads for you? I live with my brother, so we we both are in the house, but he ain't he ain't gonna pad me. <laughs> to be fair, I asked um no them body bag things that you hit the body. Yeah. I was like, I was gonna ask my coach to lend me one of them so I could put it on my, my brother, but he was having none of it. He was like, <laughs> not a chance. I was like, come on, all you gotta do, all you gotta do is stand there and just literally just take my shots. You don't even have to move. Like just stand there and just be a be a punch bag for me. I'd rather me. didn't want any of that. <laughs> I'd rather go on a five k run than take your shot. I don't blame him. <laughs> like there's brotherly love and then there's a step too far, isn't there? I, mean, I, mean, I, I asked him to spam me as well. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I uh, I asked him to spam me. I was like, give me some rounds, go on. I was like, I'll let you hit me if, if we spar. And he's like, I don't want to hit you anyway. And I was like, it doesn't mind if you hit me. Like, do you just take my shots as well? We have a little move about. But he didn't want to take part in that either. So I give up. I feel sorry for him. Isn't it supposed to be the brother bully? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're like bullying the poor fella. Jesus. <laughs> Imagine being stuck in lockdown with you and all you want to do is like batter, <laughs> batter you. Bad fella. I just want to. I just want to spar. Like I miss sparring. I miss hitting something other than a bag. Like I'm, I love doing like pad work and stuff. To be fair, bag work is my worst thing in the gym. I hate doing bags. So it's kidding me, just hitting a bag. So I just keep targeting my brother. But I've had no luck yet. Brilliant. Well, fingers crossed. It won't be too much longer before you're back in the gym for real and and with a fight date lined up. Have you had? Any indication from MCK yeah, or anyone when that might be? No, nothing. Um, nothing, just waiting. So just got to keep myself half ready, really. I, to be fair, like I can get ready what the stuff I'm doing now. And then all I need is, say, four weeks of good quality sparring and I'll be good to go again. We talked about Katie Taylor earlier, obviously your number one contender for her belt. <laughs> at lighter weight as well as the, the yeah. weight above. Do you think a delay like this probably doesn't benefit anyone, but do you think it harms her more than you because you're so much earlier in your career? 
Um, no, not really. I think Katie's very professional. She'll be staying ready. She'll 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 be working like she won't be sat on the couch just doing nothing. She's very professional, ain't she? So she'll be staying ready. I don't think that's gonna have a have any form of effect on her. And I saw you said recently that you feel as much respect as you have for her. Your style would always be a problem for her. What what is it about your style that matches up so well against hers? I think it's the fact that I'm relentless. Like. Everyone who boxes me knows I'm relentless. From round one to round ten, I'm just I'm there. Like even when I'm doing pad work, the coaches are like, take a step back, Chantel, because I'm just constantly just there, like ready to ready to throw. And that's how I box as well. So I'll be on her from the off. And I feel like um when she boxed Delphine, she showed a lot there, a lot of weaknesses. I was like, oh well, I'm better than Delphine. I've I hit harder. I'm fitter. And my work rate's a lot better. So what I've seen, I was like, you're not going to, you're not going to handle me. Britain's biggest ever female fight, do you think? I, I think 100%. I think it's the fight for the fan. It's, it seems since I turned pro, it's all anyone's banged on about. And every interview is like, Katie Taylor, Katie Taylor. And obviously I'll just focus on my career. Whereas now I'm just like, I want the names. Being Katie Taylor is, I'm going to cement my own history. So that's why I want to be the one that beats her, not wait for her to be beat by someone else and then maybe box her. Like, I want to be the one that takes her crown. See, I feel quite good now that I gave you about 10 minutes before I mentioned that. Fill <laughs> <Put> me in. <laughs> yeah, because like everyone bangs on about her. I've wanted to leave you for a little bit. But yeah, I think it's a fight everyone's like, excited I knew, about. I knew, I was waiting. I was waiting for it anyway. Don't worry. I was, yeah, just, I was thinking, when's he gonna? When's he gonna drop it? <laughs> yeah. Surely it's not gonna be an interview where Katie's not mentioned. No, no. As much as I'd like to be different, <laughs> you know what I mean. We've still got to get some views. So. <laughs> I know what sells. Everyone wants to hear it. Everybody wants. Well, from people that I've heard from, like everybody wants to see that fight. Obviously, she's um, boxing Serrano, and that's a great fight. Very, very good fight. But. After Serrano, who's next? Or maybe Brackhouse, but an Irish and British fight, just it's, it's, it'll be good. It'll, it'll uh, be fan-friendly. Well, I guess it'd be either you or Terry Harper. I guess that's the other main contender if she moves up and they're obviously both matchroom fights. not a hard yeah. fight to make. Yeah, it'd be easy fight to make. Not that I want to crush your dreams or anything. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, I hope Cheers, Danny. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I hope you do. I'm just saying that there is a possibility, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I heard there was talks of it. I think Terry said that she wanted to box K and that, but obviously, I want that fight. Well, after all the back and forth this week with Terry and Michaela Mayer, maybe that will happen, and then you'll get Katie. Maybe it could be on the same bill. That's a good fight. There you go, double header, double female header. I think that's a good fight, Terry and Michaela. I spared Michaela in the amateurs. Um, it'd be a good fight. I mean, she's pretty relentless as well. I bet those spars were something to watch. We had I I I rate Michaela. Obviously, I've spared her and stuff, and we was always in the same division, but we never met in the tournaments. So literally, I don't know how because it was at like most tournaments, but we'd always just miss miss boxing each other, but um. 
yeah, I'll rate her. I think she's good. Terry's great. Terry's good, but Michaela's good as well. So I think it's a good fight. Good fight that could be made. Did you get to spend any time with Dave Allen at Jamie's Gym before the um, lockdown started? No, I've not. Um, I, I don't think he started training there yet. I think he's okay. going to start after the lockdown. Are you looking forward to sure. that? another character to a gym that's already full of them? Yeah, he's uh, definitely a character. I've always been a fan of him as well, to be fair. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good, that gym. It always seems like it's full of banter and everyone's really happy to be there. Yeah, it's good vibes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, really appreciate your time. Um, hope we get back to normal. No, it's my pleasure. Oh, you're right. No, I hope you're not too long. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate. It. We're not. We're not going to mention the the colour of your bike. We're going to leave that for another interview. That'll be like an exclusive. We'll leave that one out. Yeah, for now. No, we'll leave that one out. Because yeah, you did promise as well. You promised that one. I've signed an Don't NDA. the time, and yeah, I hope we get to do it in person sometime soon when all this is is finished. Biggest influence? Biggest influence in boxing is my family right now. Um, used to be a guy called Billy McKee, my um, old amateur coach. He was a very good man to me, and I still is a great man, and still is a great man to me. But when you have kids, your motivation changes, and your influence changes, and my family is a, is a big motivator and influential factor. Best friend in boxing? Best friend? Um, I have to say Paddy Barnes. He's been my longest friend. Um, Paddy Barnes, very, very loyal. Um, he's a good guy. Paddy Barnes, yeah. I give Stevie Ward a mention too to live with him in camp. And me and Tommy Coyle have this wee bit of a romance going on in the gym. So Tommy as well, but Paddy is number one. Favourite fighter? Favourite fighter growing up was Wayne McCock. Um, I was a kind of a kid in my prime when he was doing his thing and he was involved in some big fights, Eric Morales and Daniel Zaragoza. He won his title away from home in Japan, one of the best ever Irish wins from any Irish, Irish, Irish fighter. One of the best wins from any British fighter as well. Um, that, that win from McCulloch. Um, uh, yeah, he was a he was he was my hero growing up. Prince Nassim as well, he fought too. Favorite fight. Favorite fight of all time is I love. Um, obviously, we love the Corrales, Castillo, and Hearns, Hagler, and and Ward, Gaddy, all that. But I love the way Muhammad Kawi against. Um, Vander Holyfield, the first fight. Holyfield was only the 15 round fight. I think it was Holyfield's 12th fight. Can you imagine, imagine any fighter these days going in against a legitimate world champion? 
in 12 fights to fight for a 15 round world title fight. Um, brilliant fight. Um, Cowboy is like a shorter version of Joe Frazier. Um, very, very good fight to watch. Best moment in boxing? Uh, my best moment was probably being Leo Santa Cruz away from home in New York um, on away soil because I was a massive underdog and no one really expected me to win that fight. So that for me is my number one. Worst moment in boxing? Worst moment? Um, losing to Josh Warrington because um, I didn't perform how I would have liked to. Um, I was I was well beaten, but um, I uh, I just I just didn't perform. Hardest puncher. Hardest puncher. Um, Josh Warrington hit me harder than anyone else, and his record doesn't suggest it, but um, I felt it, and it, it wasn't nice. Most skilled. Most skilled fighter I fought. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, Leo is probably pretty well skilled, although you wouldn't say that he fights like that. But he's pretty cute on the inside, and I know little different good, you know, tricks, professional tricks. Um, I'd probably have to say. Leo. Best overall opponent? Best opponent I've faced um, is... I think most decorated and most accomplished fighter throughout his career is probably Nanigo Denner. Um, I think that we have to give Josh Warrington a mention as well because he's beat me a lot more convincingly than anyone else has as well. Best fighter in the world? Current number one. Um, I love Lomachenko. I just love his style. Um, very most unique style in boxing. Um, no one's ever had a style like that ever before. Um, I would say Loma. You might have to face him soon, Carl, if he moves back down to Super Featherweight. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'd like to spar him to see if I can hit him first. So we're here on Seconds Out with Lou DeBella for the latest edition of DeBella's Digest, which is keeping us all going during lockdown. Thankfully, we need some distraction that's not just eating and piling on weight. How are you doing, Lou? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I mean, talk, talking about eating and piling on weight, I got, I, I got to start. Uh, I got to spend more time on a stationary bike or I'm going to come out of this looking like a baby elephant. <laughs> um, all, all, all I do is look forward to my next meal. And, you know, but, hey. <laughs> we're, we're all in the same boat, unfortunately. Um, we missed out last week because the, the news kind of broke just after we did the last digest. 
the comments made by Devin Haney, which I'm sure you're now well aware of, and subsequent apologies and discussions involving the WBC as well. Just wanted to get your take on all of that. I mean, it was overblown, Danny. It was just was overblown. I mean, look, first of all, I don't want to get into conceptual. Co- I prefer race not be injected into anything. Okay. So in a perfect world, that, that Haney wouldn't have said it. Okay. But no white boy is going to beat me is white people aren't a, a, a class of people that are generally disadvantaged by being white. Sure. Okay. So like, it's not like, you know, to be honest, the white people reacting as if this was the equivalent of a, a white person using the N-word or something. That's absurd. It's absurd. It was an ill-advised statement by a young kid. But racist? I'm not willing to say that. I don't agree with that. And, and I prefer race not get injected into anything. But you know the reality? Devin Haney's going to beat the majority of white kids. He's going to white boys. He's going to beat the majority of, of other African-American kids. He's going to meet the, beat the majority of fighters. But I didn't view that as like I don't think he was consciously attempting to be racist. I don't. I didn't view it as some great horrible divisive comment. I viewed it as an egoistic, you, you know, comment made by a young kid inappropriately, and it should be over now. Enough. And you know, it's funny because boxers can beat the living shit out of women. Boxers can make the most overtly racist comments about black people or Mexican people or people of color. And it, 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 it flows off our backs like water off a duck. But a black kid makes a comment about, I ain't going to lose to a white boy. And you would think that, that we were talking about Selma, Alabama in 1965. Sure. And that's bullshit. Just pure bullshit. And, and, and no offense, but the, the, the kind of people that are going out there saying there's no difference between what Devin Haney, imagine if a, a white person said that about a black, no, if a white person starts calling a black person a boy, there is a whole difference in terms of history and, and uh, a culture of prejudice and bias and slavery that's existed in our world for centuries and if people can't see that fuck them because they're stupid <laughs> yeah so sonny edwards the british boxer and i were both kind of explaining this to other people on twitter yesterday that if you call a black person boy there's a whole different set of connotations that go with that it's completely different it simply is completely different because black people particularly in my country well, it's everywhere you go around the world all over the world Black people were treated like chattel. Were treated like property. Okay, that white people have never had that experience. Where you know it's just a whole different thing. People that don't understand. Well, what if a black you know what if if, if a black person said that? Uh, well, I'm sorry. What if a white person would have said that? It's a completely different thing. I agree. I agree. I, I, you know. <laughs> Um, so I, I, you know, you know, I'm tired of hearing about it. Honestly, it, 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 it's done. You know, e- even the apology, I never should have used that term, right? Devin felt that he had to make an apology. I think he should have made an apology. Honestly, if I was advising him when he wrote the apology, I would have said, "Devin, apologize for just talking about even race." 
the race doesn't get into the competitiveness of a fight. I shouldn't have said that. But but saying white boy is not like I, I wouldn't have used that that horrible term that offends people. Black guy calls me a white boy. It's not fucking affecting me. It's it, it's not the same as an N word. It's not the same as calling an African American person a boy. It is not. And people that don't get that, they should look into racial history. They should look into racial sensitivity. They have the problem. Now, moving on to something that will get you hopefully equally as passionate, but maybe in a more positive way, is the women's boxing generally. But also, we've seen this week um, shots being fired on social media between uh, Terry Harper and Michaela Mayer, which is great to see. They're building up a fight. You've been a long-time advocate of women's boxing. I know you want to put on a female boxing card. We talked about that before. Why do you think it's now is the right time where women's boxing is flourishing, whereas it hasn't always in the past? Because there are compelling women. The talent pool is better than it's ever been. There are a lot of women who can fight. I mean, Terry Harper can fight. Amanda Serrano can fight. Katie Taylor can fight. Clarissa Shields can fight. I can go through an endless list of women that have great athletic ability, work just as hard as the men, and they can fight. And frankly, their fights with the two-minute rounds and the shorter length of the fights, they often have more action you know, from the opening bell to the closing bell than the men's fights do. And the women aren't being overpaid grossly. They're more willing to take on the best competition. You know, I have a lot less problem making matches for my female world champions than I do for the men. It's the right time because they deserve it. They've earned it. They've gotten better. The overall quality of women's boxing is at a much higher level than it used to be. And now, by the way, coming out of this pandemic, coming out of this pandemic, how many of us have been literally saved? How many of us, those nurses that are out there, those healthcare, those female healthcare professionals that are out there fighting a war for us against this deadly virus, they're showing more guts, more heart, more, more fighting spirit than anybody I can think of. And, and if you want to do an analogy, you know, women, women are fighters, man. Women are warriors. They're warriors just as, to as great as an extent as men are. And, and if you make evenly matched quality fights with talented women, they're entertaining. They deserve a forum. They deserve a place. It's not going to replace men's boxing. They're never going to be paid more or equal to men the same way that I don't expect WNBA players are ever going to be paid similarly to me, you know, to NBA players or women's professional soccer players aren't going to make the same as men's Premier League players make. That's not the issue. They deserve to be paid fairly. They deserve to have platforms for their talents. And right now there is the talent pool. There are the quality of fights that can be made. The women deserve opportunity. And when we get out of this pandemic, they need to get back to work just as quickly as the men do. What's kind of the ceiling on this? Will we ever see, for example, a women's fight headlining a pay-per-view? Yes. Yes. Are we there right now? No. Do I think it'll be Clarissa Shields and Leila Ali? I think that's no. I don't believe that. I, I, don't, I, I don't think. First of all, I don't think that's that enormous. I think it's more. I also don't think that's traditional boxing. It's pulling someone out of retirement that's been a, a generation in retirement, yeah. over a generation in retirement. Um, in fact, I think yelling about that as the first women's pay-per-view uh, 
Does it make sense? But look, if we didn't have a pandemic and things were progressing, could could uh, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano have headlined a smaller pay-per-view? I think it could have. So I, I think, yes, you will see a pay-per-view headlined by women. I think you will see major televised boxing headlined by women. Um, and, and, and they've earned it. They've earned it. There's something else I want to ask you about before we round off. It's something you said on Twitter earlier today, and I think you echoed the thoughts of a lot of boxing fans out there. Um, BT Sport in the UK, uh, <laughs> yeah, you already know what I'm talking about. Uh, They're running this uh, let, let, boxing tour. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I got to tell you something. I, I, what were the initial matchups? Because, it, it, I mean, what were the initial matchups and results so I've far? Only, I've only Other seen D- it from the round of 16, so I was voting this morning, but. I voted the same as presumably you did in the uh, Holmes-Joshua fight. and um... It's a joke. Larry Holmes would have toyed, toyed with AJ, toyed with him. Not even, I, I, could, I, I would have put my house on that fight. There is no way in the world AJ stylistically matched up well, of all people, with Larry Holmes. Tremendous defensive chider, chin of God, greatest jab in the history of the heavyweight division. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, I, I'm an AJ fan. I really am. I'm not anti-AJ. I think he's a real, real top fighter. I think he's an excellent heavyweight. Certainly one of the three best right now. Okay? But when you look at the history of heavyweight boxing. <laughs> We've got Tony I'm sorry, but going as well. She's not happy. Yeah, my, 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 my dog, there's another dog walking down the street, so she's a little excited. Oh, um, maybe she was an AJ fan. I, I, no, I, I don't, I'm not sure about that one. Um, <laughs> but, you, but you never know. You know, he's an attractive <laughs> man. She's a, you know, you never know. He, like, she's a girl. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think, I, I don't understand anybody, how anybody could know anything about the history of boxing and believe that AJ would beat Larry Holmes. But I got to tell you, I think there was some. I mean, I, I got to look at the results in the round of sixteen. What other results did they did they have so far? Do you know? No, well, I was voting, and it was still about an hour away from the finish. But I think uh, who was it? There was Vladimir Klitschko against was it George Foreman? Maybe I'd have to have a look. But there were some some kind of crazy ones that were hard to visualize as well. But AJ Holmes seemed to be the most clear cut for me. But it was probably the closest in terms of the poll results. You know, we're all so bored. Everything is being polled. Everything is being top five list of this, top 10 list of that, poll of this. You know, it's starting to get really like aggravating to me. Like, I, I don't even want to watch. I, 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 you know, I, I'm spending too much time on Twitter. I got I to gotta, I gotta read more books, read less Twitter, because this shit's starting to infuriate me. You know, and then, and then the worst part is you make a comment and then you get trolled by like endless people telling me I don't know anything about boxing and and I don't want to be an asshole but most of the people commenting I've forgotten more than they know so like it's just it's it's a little irritating I, look credit you got I, I got to give you guys across the pond a lot of credit though you love your fighters yeah I mean when when you when you Brits are fans you're hardcore fans like you're like you guys are really parochial in the sense of like supporting your own God bless you, because in America, it's the opposite. It really is. It's not like that here. We don't rally for our own the way you guys do. I think you know, someone would have... Yeah. I think kind of the guys that dip in and out tend to get fervently behind the British heroes, but then I think you've got the real 
hardcore fans. You almost go the other way to overcompensate as well. Could be. They could be. But, but, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. Holmes would have... Holmes would have beaten AJ, and and I'm really curious to see the other round of 16 results because I'm guessing that something else will strike me as preposterous. Also, well, I just have to take a look at it. Next week's digest will probably be up to around the semi-finals. So we'll see then, won't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how are things? How are things on your end of the pond? Is it starting to get crazy? No, Is there any too, return to? It's not too bad. I mean, the figures seem to be steadily, very slowly going down now. They're talking about whether the lockdown restrictions will be lifted in the next couple of weeks. So they've extended it to May the 7th at least. And then I guess if the figures continue to go down between now and then, maybe they'll lift some of the restrictions. But it's still risky. We don't want a second spike. No, I, look, I, I think that we got it better safe than sorry. I think we, we're, we're going to return. Um, we are going to return first with no crowds. I think that's completely obvious. Um I also think there's going to be an adjustment period because I, I saw, did you see the thing that you wanted to talk about the thing with Devin Haney? Did you see the comment from Bud Crawford that I have to get paid a lot more money if I'm fighting in front of nobody? Yeah, I saw that yesterday. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? There's less revenue, Bud, so we got to pay you more. Well, so, we got to so pay you more, Bud, because less money coming in. Isn't it? Revenue's less, but costs are higher. This is stupid. Right. right. I'm going I'm to charge you more money to fight when you can't make as much money. <laughs> see, Fighters are going to have to adjust to this new universe the way the rest of us are. And the fighters that are going to get in the ring first and are going to get paid first are the ones that are going to best understand what's going on in the universe right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the fighters that are prepared to fight and understand that they're going to have to work within the constraints of what we're facing as a sport right now. Those fighters are going to, are going to be more active and those fighters are going to are going to get the opportunities. Whereas the fighter who says my contract says I make three or four million dollars, and they're not willing to adjust, given the impediments that that exist right now to generating revenue for an event. Um, I think those fighters are going to sit longer. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe some fighters been overpaid for too long, and it's made them complacent as well. Um, you can make that argument. I think there was going to be an adjustment in boxing anyway. I think we've been in, in this, this period of crazy spending with streaming, with, you know, the, the, particularly in the United States where there have been these three competing uh, media entities, this, P, you know, PBC, The Zone, USA, and ESPN, and crazy money's been spent. But crazy money was being spent, and it wasn't like the results were better than they've ever been. And it wasn't like the fights have been better than they've ever been. So I think we were heading toward a natural period of adjustment. Now, this pandemic has created the necessity for a worldwide period of adjustment in every industry, in every sport, in every walk of life. So we're in a period of change, and it's going to be interesting to see how we adapt to it. But what I'm, what I'm doing with my fighters is I'm urging them to stay in physical shape, in cardiovascular shape. And be in a position that when things normalize, they are prepared to fight within four weeks or so. So that if opportunities present themselves, they can take them. I'm also going to honestly advise my fighters. If you're offered a fight, you don't have the benefit of sitting there and handpicking your opponents in the new world. Because there are way, 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 way more people who need to work in every walk of life. 
and way, 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 way more fighters who need to work in boxing than ever before. So it's going to be using sound judgment and intellect and a realistic view of what's going on in the world around us to make the decisions with respect to your career. So I'm going to be encouraging my fighters to understand this new world that we're all in. Brilliant. Well, really appreciate it as always. The Bella's Digest becoming a highlight of my week as well as the viewers. That's great. And well, I don't want the pandemic to end just for that reason, but <laughs> obviously I do. Oh, I want it to end, my friends. I want it to end as soon as it possibly can. And uh, greetings from Topolina and myself to everybody. Yeah, well, she has to be on it every week now. There's no negotiation about that. She's become my pandemic sidekick, so it's likely. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, well, we'll see you next week and stay safe, of course. Thank you, my friend. Be well, Danny. Bye-bye. Yeah. So today I'm going to be doing the rounds with IFL's Coogan Cassius. How are you doing, Coogan? Hi, Anna. Are you enjoying lockdown? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> no comment. I like that picture behind you, by the way. The Vogue? Yeah, I'm feeling that, yeah. Vogue. So today I'm going to be doing the rounds with you. It's six three-minute rounds. All you have to do is answer as many questions as, as long as you want as possible, okay? So I've got three minutes on the clock. Ready for this? Let's do it. Wicked, let's go. So round one, life before boxing. What's your earliest boxing memory? Um, earliest boxing memory was Prince Nassim Hamid. He was the, the first boxer that I ever started watching without really knowing anything about the sport. Um, yeah, used to watch his fights, the ones he had here and in America as well. Um, but he was the reason why I actually got into boxing in the first place, which he knows, and now I'm friends with him, which is which is great, obviously. What was your favourite childhood TV show? The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Good choice. <laughs> Definitely, I, I actually still rewatch them now, to be honest. I think we all do, and especially in lockdown now as well. Um, what was on the Cassius kitchen table? What was your favourite meal? Um. Anything with chicken. Yeah, anything. So just anything with chicken, either breaded or not breaded. Uh, but just, yeah, chicken was my thing. Yeah. You a bit of a cook? No, I'm not. I've, <laughs> I've just bought a barbecue, actually. It cost £25 from Pound Stretcher. And I've used it three... I've never had a barbecue before, and I've used it three times on, on the spin, like, over the last three days. And I'm getting more adventurous as uh, as the days go on. So, yeah, it's good. It was £25 as well. Bargain. What was Coogan like at school? Was he teacher's pet or were you class clown? Uh, probably a clown. No, not, not probably. Definitely, yeah, a clown. Um, yeah, I wouldn't call myself a teacher's pet, no. Um, yeah, no, I've I've got some I've probably got some stories that's not this because it's Go a free round. No, but no, 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 I was just I was, no, 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 thing you did at school. No, naughty thing you did at school. Uh took down a whole wall of the changing room once. Yeah, which my parents had to pay for, which they weren't impressed. 
I said I fell into it. I said I fell into it and knocked a whole changing room wall down. It was made of like wood on the outside. Uh, I did it on purpose. I'm sorry, St. John's in Billericay. Uh, I never admitted to it. I am now. So, yeah. Sport or school? Oh, that's hard. I'm going to say school because that's probably the, the sensible answer. Good answer. If you could have a track reminiscent of your childhood period, what would that be and why? Um, especially for you. Kylie and Jason, <laughs> I love that song because I was a massive Neighbours fan and um, I used to kind of had a crush on, I had a crush on Kylie and Danny actually because Danny was in Home and Away, but Kylie, yeah, and Jason, that, that kind of their little thing and that song, especially for you. Yeah, that's I was about that. to say, we have two seconds left, one is gone and I got you to sing, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> right moving on round two it this is your career right how did you how did ifl come about um started in 2010 so we're 10 years old in october um the first boxing show i did was a ricky hatton promotion show because obviously i used to do some stuff with ricky um and then yeah met eddie hearn at a prize fighter when rocky fielding won and then just kind of spiraled from there but a lot of the early ifl stuff was in music, television, uh, British film, a, a lot of other stuff outside of boxing, to be honest with you. And then the boxing kind of just took it over. So that's just a very brief summary of how IFL started. What's the best fight you've seen? What, during IFL? Or? During your career, during, during your career so far. I was at a fight in 2005 at the Manley Bay between uh, Corrales and Castillo, which is probably the best fight I've ever seen, like in person. Uh, dramatic 10th round finish. Uh, from Corrales after he looked like he was going to lose that fight. Uh, but I will just say kind of the most dramatic night I've had it doing IFL was Fury Klitschko, just because so many people backed against, not the fight itself specifically, but just because so many people were backing against Fury and expected to lose. And it was, yeah, quite a momentous night in Dusseldorf. Now here's one. Hearn or Warren? You just broke up there, Anna. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that, am I? Go on. No, I can't answer that, can I? I like, listen, I like Eddie Earn and I like... Is, that, is, is it a bit like picking your parents? Yes, exactly. Or if you had two children, I ain't got any children, but if you had two children, what one's your favourite, all right? So I'm skipping past that. So you've had the best fight you've seen. What about the worst moment so far or the worst interview you've had? Do you know what? My first ever interview with Frotch wasn't great because I was a little bit starstruck. I interviewed him at one of their matching barbecues they used to do every year. And it was the first time I got around Frotch and I really kind of got stuck for words. The interview is still on there somewhere, but it might have been edited. But uh, yeah, it kind of fell to pieces. I was like proper stuttering. And Carl's one of them people that if you are kind of slipping a little bit, he'll let you know that you're slipping as well. Uh, but that was the first time I actually interviewed Carl Frotch. It wasn't a great moment for me. I do remember that. The first time I ever met Carl, he asked me if I was blagging it. So We're all you know, blagging it, aren't we? Like... <laughs> We're blagging it. As friendly as ever. Um, what's the best moment of your career? How best fight was the best moment? Best moment? I like to think the best moment hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, like 10 years this year, but... 
I'd like to think that that's still to come, to be honest with you. It's not a cop-out, I just, that's what I hope. We've literally got seven seconds after this round. What track would be reminiscent of your career so far? Um, Life House, You and Me. Oh. You know that song. Interesting. Right, let's move on to round three. This is Life After Boxing. Three, two, one. Let's go. In front or behind the camera? Um, I like in front, but I've done most behind. But so every time I do go in front, it's like a little treat. Do you like it? Do you like being in front of the camera? It's just I just adapted where I film on my own a lot of times. I just adapted a way of filming behind the camera, and it was easier kind of for the setup purposes. But a lot of my early interviews were all in front of camera. I do prefer it. Prefer it. Sorry, because you kind of you see your reaction to their what they're saying and sometimes you don't kind of get that chemistry if I'm sat behind the camera so I'd say yeah probably in front. Bachelor life or married man? What am I or what do I aspire to be? Oh married 100% yeah I'm very conventional in that way that even though I'm cracking on a bit now I do see myself with a wife kids the dog that runs in the garden hosing the driveway every Saturday. Yeah. Arsenal season ticket, but Tottenham win the league next season. Which would you choose? Arsenal season ticket for life. Um, what, what would I rather have? The or... Arsenal season ticket for life you can have, but Tottenham win the league next season. No, no, I wouldn't pick that option. I'd rather Never. pay for it. I'd rather pay for it for the rest of my life. Punditry? Can we see it in punditry? Uh, I don't know about punditry. I kind of, there's a massive difference between punditry and the interview side. And I kind of, I like the interview side. And I know that punditry is a completely different skill, which, uh, yeah, um, I'd stick to what I do, I think, even after. Where, where do you see this going? What is the dream? The dream is for boxing, first of all, to return. Uh, as we're talking about boxing, but obviously the dream is for everyone to come and come out of this situation that we're in currently um, to the best possible situation, which we don't know what is yet. But yeah, from a boxing side of it, we just we want to see boxing back. But obviously, everyone's got to be safe, and the country and the world has to be so first. What's the best piece of advice you have been given so far in my life? In your career, yeah. Oh, in my career, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, Fifteen oh, seconds. Oh, that good? <laughs> when, when there's biscuits in the tin, where's the fun in biscuits? What? Three seconds of what? Yeah, have a think about that later on. Okay, right. Let's move on to round four. Okay, this is your personal life. This is really interesting. Um, right, okay. What is your pet peeve, Coogan Cassius? I hate the word enjoy. I hate oh. it. So is this like if someone, so my dad, for example, when someone brings a meal to the table, like a, a waiter or something, they go, enjoy. It's like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate the word enjoy. I, nev I never use the word. I, I probably have said it in my life, but I don't like it. It, it kind of cringes me out when... 
when people say enjoy, like you go to eat something or or you like go somewhere like to the cinema or you go anywhere and, and people go enjoy it. I, I don't like it. Now people are going to be saying it and probably tweeting it now. But yeah, that word enjoy drives me mad. Um, best friend in boxing. Who's your best friend in boxing? really know um i'd say like dave allen or billy joe who do you who do you talk to most i speak to i speak to both them guys quite a lot but i do speak to quite a lot of people in boxing even like away from boxing like chats adam booth is another one uh the old class is a good friend of mine so what is what's your biggest fear Do you know what? I thought about this and I, I don't actually know what that is. Um, without really sounding too deep, I suppose my biggest fear is the thought of my parents not being here. I know it's a little bit whatever it is, but that is probably, that's the kind of thing that I try not to think about. But I know that obviously, yeah, that situation there is probably my biggest fear, I'd say. And I think a lot of people would, would that would resonate with as well. Um, what is your worst habit? I say listen. I say obviously a lot. And I say listen a lot. And I say obviously a lot. And there's another word. And it's not something I noticed. I just, people say it to me. But I do say obviously a lot. And I say listen a lot as well. Yeah, those two things, which I never knew I was doing for years, but apparently that's, yeah, that's two, two of the things that I do a lot. Obviously. Um, Obviously. What's your biggest vice? What is your vice? Smoking, which I'd love to stop. It's horrendous. I don't do anything else. Like, my mum says it to me, and my dad doesn't know. I hope they don't watch this, actually. My dad doesn't know I smoke, but my mum does, yeah? And my mum goes, like, you should really stop smoking. I go, yeah, but I don't take, I don't take drugs, mum. That's, what, that's my counter to that, which is ridiculous, but that's what I say to her. You need to stop smoking. I know. Right, round five. Fantasy round, this one. Here we go. Um, what would be, if you could have any, any dream matchup, what would it be in boxing? Of current fighters? Anyone, fantasy, anything. I'm going to say Joshua Fury. I am. I am going to say Joshua Fury. I dream about that every night like everyone else does. So if we're sticking to kind of possible fantasy, but more realistic that it will happen one day, um, that's the fight I want to see. And that's the fight that kind of, yeah, is like the pinnacle of what is going on in our sport at the moment that people want to see. So I will say Joshua Fury. I'm going to say you and the whole of the rest of the nation as well. That is their, their, their fantasy fight as well and dream matchup. Um, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? Uh, what that I ha haven't already done? I'd fly. I'd like to fly. Like me, fly. You, you, you can fly. You can get a plane somewhere. No, have... I mean me physically fly. Oh, is it like you, you flying? Yeah, me fly. I'd love to do that, yeah. Have you, have you been watching The Rocketeer or something? No, no, I've just, it's something I've always wanted to do as a child and I've always wondered, I do. When I sit outside of a night, 
I do wonder what it's just like just to fly as like like not a cliche saying but like a bird the actual me flying not on a plane or helicopter or anything I just want to fly yeah um fame or fortune neither oh come on oh both both are the root of all evil you're too famous it's not a great thing if you've got too much money it's not a great thing so just like okay happy medium dream occupation or are you doing your dream occupation because oh, I, no, I wanted to be an actor that was my like thing when i was growing up before i was doing ifl i was in loads of low budget british films and little cameos on television experiences so I would probably say that, yeah, like a dream acting job would would be what what that is. I don't know, but that that is something. But I'm probably already doing what what I want to be doing right now. So, is oh. there is there evidence of your acting career out there? Yeah, I I, I mentioned something about an, an appearance that I did in Holby City, which I didn't realise was online, and I said if anyone can find it, we'll give them a prize. And then everyone found it. Yeah, it's Holby City, there's EastEnders, there's a load of adverts. I've got like seven DVDs here that I'm in, in low budget British films. So yeah, I'll send you a copy, Anna. Oh, this one. That should kill a few hours in lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, round six, the final round. This is your boxed in essentials, okay? Go. Ready to go. So we're in lockdown, you've got to imagine this is forever. If you had one dish, one dish that you could eat on repeat in isolation, what would that be? This is horrendous because this is going to be carb-based, but if you're asking me one dish that... Does this mean we can eat this one dish but not put the weight on from the dish? That's important. Well... Yes, okay. Right. Yeah. Let's yeah. just yeah. that. Right. Pesto, penne, chicken, garlic and chilli. Pasta. That's not that unhealthy. It's not great. Like the carb side of it, I'm on about. Well, you're doing some training in isolation. Sorry, you're breaking up again. <laughs> All right, one song. One song that you could listen to on repeat. What would it be? Um, on repeat, I do, I'm going to say this because it's on a playlist and every time I get in a car, not at the moment, obviously, it's not going in the car, but usually... Um, have you ever seen the film called Mannequin? Yes. Yeah. Do you know the I song I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Starship. Uh, yeah, that song there, for some reason, every, whatever <laughs> playlist is on, that song is on my playlist. I've, I've on about 10 different playlists I've got. Can I have I'll... a Give us a bit. No, 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 sing it, sing it. No, hold on. Um, I need to get through this. Okay, what are you finding that? One item, one item you could have. Is it bad if I say like my little cigars that I smoke? But if I if I had to have one, I I would pick that, honestly. I would. You're allowed like, that. You're allowed that. Uh, um, you know the one that goes, nothing's gonna stop us now. That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Like to look at that, but yeah, that song there. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Um, dream boxing hero that you have to spend the whole time with? Naz. Princess. Oh. 
What's that? Because? Just because every time I kind of think of Naz, I just kind of remember why I started watching the sport and the fact that kind of I do talk to him now and he knows that. He knows that that's the reason why. Not I started IFL, that's not the reason for that, but the reason why I watched, uh, started watching boxing in the first place was because of Naz. So, yeah, I'd quite happily listen to Naz all day long. We've got about 20 seconds, but I want to know if you could watch one fight on repeat, which fight would you watch? Um, probably Hagler Holmes, if I could keep watching one. But the fight I mentioned earlier between Castillo and Corrales ain't a bad shout as well. So, yeah, but Hagler Holmes I'd go for. Bang on time, Cooks. It's been a pleasure doing the rounds with you. Did I win? Well, it's not a competition. Oh, sorry. This is all about getting to know you. Oh, right. <laughs> anyway, thank you for doing the rounds with us. Um, if any of you want to let us know uh, your thoughts on, and who you'd like us to do the rounds with, get in touch at Sky Sports Boxing. Um, but yeah, that, that's it from us. And Coogan, enjoy. Go away. <laughs> Stop. <laughs>
like I said, it's re- it's really good for me. Um, I'm the sort of person that I feel like I need to keep training. I need to. Uh, I, I don't like breaks. Um, the tempo is not as high as usual, of course, but um, it's something that's keeping me going, um, and it motivates me in the way that I know that I'll be half ready when it com- when the time comes. Now, your date was, was when it was first postponed. We were told by Matchroom that was going to be pushed back to June at some point. June now is, is still looking incredibly optimistic. Have you heard anything from anybody with regards to, to when your date could be? No. Um, I wish I did, and I wish I could tell you, but I don't have, I don't have anything to say. Um, so I'm just going as and when we all hear it. But I don't think anyone really knows. Any of us fighters definitely don't know what I think. Um, so yeah I'm just waiting as much as anyone else I think we're all trying to work out how this thing's going to play out in terms of how fighters approaching post lockdown some people have suggested that because of the break fighters might want to make up for lost time and be more inclined to take fights that they otherwise maybe wouldn't have others think fighters might want to ease themselves back in you mentioned there when this is all over you'll have been inactive for a little bit longer than you would have would have liked if those big domestic opportunities did come up immediately post lockdown, if it wasn't the Mansuri fight necessarily, would you still jump at that chance straight away? Yeah, I think so. I don't see why not. Um, I know that I'm good enough to do that. I know I'm staying in half shape anyway. Don't know if they are, but that doesn't matter to me. Um, I know I'm good enough and uh, I, I'll take the right fight um, at the right time and but to be fair, any time's the right time. It's, we're all elite fighters now, um, so why is there not a right time? Let's, we can get it on whenever, even straight away as soon as it is over. Let's talk about those domestic names around you and who you want them, because you, you're someone that's put a lot of emphasis on staying ready. That's what got you that Ted Cheeseman fight on quite short notice the first time round. We don't know when Scott Fitzgerald's going to be back in the ring with, with everything he's sort of undergoing at the minute. Is Ted Cheeseman the fight that you probably most want at domestic level, that rematch? Uh, I want I want to put that record straight. Um, I don't think it will happen because of his his side of things. Um, I'd take it uh, um, now, if I could, um, because I want to put that, that record straight. Uh, I don't think that's one that is even in sight, to be fair. But I've got my eye on all of them now, um, with no exceptions. With Ted, you, you said there that from his side of things, you don't think it seems likely that, that it will happen. But given how short notice you had the first time and, and sort of the, the waiting towards that, second time round, if you had a full camp behind you, how big of a contributor do you think that would be? Do you think you, you'd have it within you to produce a conclusive result this time? Yeah, 100%. Um, Last time I was training for three rounders in the ultimate boxer and then a four rounder in my down the road, literally five minutes down the road. Um, I weren't nowhere near ready for it as such, but um, I'd, lo- I'd love to get that on with a real camp. Um, and that record would definitely be put, put to bed. In terms of other fighters, uh, someone who's who's always vocal about looking for a fight, he's, he's made it very clear he won some domestic matchups as well. Anthony Fowler, is that a fight that, that you'd entertain? Is that a fight that you'd be interested in taking immediately? Like I said, I've got my eye on all of them now. And um, if if the if the right fight's there with the right time, then 
it, it will happen because I'm not avoiding any of them right now because I know I know what I'm capable of. In terms of when the boxing schedule gets back underway, have you heard any word from your management company, from Eddie or anyone else, as to what seems the most likely route for you to take over the sort of next year or so? Um, I believe they've still got the, their eye on the fight that was lined up. Um, but you never know. Things, things could change in the next hour, I think. Or I don't know, to be honest. I, I believe they've still got their, their eyes on the, the, the Mansoori fight. Um, but we'll see. I don't know anything about that, to be fair. After that, is, I think we'll focus on the, the, the fight. After that is after that. I'm sure you're going to be itching to be active. You've, you've mentioned it a couple of times already in this interview that, that you'd like to be busier. Is that something you're going to put big emphasis on when everything gets back underway to just be out as much as you can and try and get that momentum? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd happily, I'd, I'd fight every every week, every month, if if it was right, if it was right for the career. Um, so it, I'd like to get out as soon as possible, but we all would. So I just have to wait our turns, I guess. Now, Kieran, I just want to get thought, your thoughts. I know a couple of things away from you, but all things 154 pounds. Uh, there's been a lot of talk recently. Liam Smith has made it very clear that he'd like to fight Kell Brook at 154. He said that, you know, Kel isn't scared of fighting him. He's probably scared of losing to him at this stage of his career and tarnishing his career. Do you think Liam Smith could trouble Kel Brook at this stage of Kel's career at all? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I went up to um, Liam's gym to do a bit of sparring um, not too long ago. He's good. Um, and he definitely knows his way around the ring. I think, that he's, I think he's definitely capable of um, troubling Kel. Now, another man who's just moved up from sort of 154 up to 160 looks a new man at 160 under Dominic Ingle. Uh, Liam Williams was sort of waiting his turn for a world title shot against Demetrius Andrade. We still think that fight will go ahead post-lockdown, it seems likely. Andrade has sort of dismissed him and, and said that, uh, you know, made reference to the fact he may be another Luke Keeler. That's what he said. Do you think Liam Williams, this Liam Williams we're seeing now, though, is capable of troubling Demetrius Andrade? Liam... Um... He's a he's an animal at the minute, in my opinion. Uh, he's going through everyone. Um, I think he's a tough fight for anyone at the minute, to be fair, uh, including Andrade. Now, in terms of you, we, you know, we're all sitting here and we're daydreaming during lockdown, Kieran. I just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things before I let you go. Just to dream for a second, what would your dream fight be? If, if we offered you your dream fight in the next couple of years, any active fighter in the world, who do you want to face and why? Um, one of them YouTubers, <laughs> one of the uh, Jake Paul, is it, or or something like that? Yeah, one of them. Make a make a absolute pocket full, and um, it'll be an easy night's work as well. <laughs> I will have to get on to Eddie about that. But fighting YouTubers aside, what what remains your your long term goal in boxing, Kieran? Have you have you thought about what you'd like to get out of boxing, what you'd like to achieve in boxing while you while you're still an active fighter? Yeah, um, I want to go all the way. I'm 23, and uh, people are criticising me on my fights uh, recently. They they tr they say I it doesn't it doesn't punch hard enough and stuff so, and this sort of thing. Well, we'll see from uh, from after this all moves aside and we get back in. We'll, we'll see if they're still um, singing that tune. 
at 23 years old and you know you've, you've had the Cheeseman fight and I've been talking about everybody always seems to be talking about throwing you into more domestic fights is it is it almost hard sometimes to just slow yourself down I know you said you're ready for anyone at any time but 23 years old you've got all this time ahead of you um no, I know the process um really uh, so I know how it is um I want the, I want the I want the fights but we all do um so we just have to wait our time and beat what's in front of us and move on after. All right, Kieran, well, thank you so much for your time. Um, thanks for joining me on this Zoom call. Wish you all the all best. Right. See you back in action very soon once, once everything's back underway. Cool. Thank you very much.